know what I did to fix it? I don't know. Just clicked around. Like <laughs> this is why uh, everybody thinks you're like a computer genius or something like that. The answer is nope. I just clicked more shit than you did. Mm, yep. Episode number 30. That's right, kids. Um, we're now too old to be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> or we're old enough to be um, wisely mature. You sage, even, in our old age. Exactly. Exactly. So, what's new, man? You know, same old, same old. Um, we shaved my dog. Right on. Yeah, that's exciting, right? <laughs> Uh, she looks fucking weird. You're alive. Yeah. So, I That's mean, true. Yeah. 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 I, didn't, gotta... I didn't shave my dog. You, no. you probably noticed that already, though. No. She's still a hairy bitch. Yeah. My dog, now freshly shaven. This is turning weird pretty quick. Uh, what have we got on the show this week? Just uh, an FYI for those listening at home, shaving your dog is not a euphemism. No, we're, we're being literal here. Yeah. She went to the groomer. It was weird. Um, what do we got for the show? Uh, not as much... TV talk as we usually have because two of our shows weren't on and one of our shows I'm an idiot and didn't watch. Yeah, and I don't think there was even a Supergirl this week either. No, there wasn't because yeah. there's been the same two on my DVR for a couple weeks now. And so that's like the whole Trinity, the, you know, the the TV Trinity anyway. Yeah, out of, out of commission for this week. Um, we do have a whole bunch of other not news though. We've got some Batman and Superman stuff to talk about as usual. We've got a little bit of news about Captain America: Civil War. We've got a whole bunch of comic books to talk about. And, of course, The Walking Dead is on this week, and it was pretty cool. So we're going to talk about that shit, too. Exactly. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Starting the top, I guess. We yeah. should we should gloat to yeah, everyone listening. rub it in your faces. That we pre-ordered our tickets to watch Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, I don't think we're in a Star Wars situation where, like, if you haven't pre-ordered them already, you're totally fucked. Because um, we think, didn't get ours for, like, a week. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to sell out that hard. Like, I think there's going to be lots of theaters that sell out. So if you're in a major metro or something like that, now you're probably screwed. But uh, here, I think you'll be able to find tickets somewhere. Yeah, so go get them if you can. Yeah. Um, we've also, I put a little thing in here. I don't know if you even saw it. I'm super fucking professional right now. Yeah. Just, we just do that. Okay. We'll pause. <laughs> now we're leaving that one in. Um, so I put this in here just cause it's kind of funny. Ben Affleck and, uh, um, Henry Cavill have been going back and forth on Facebook and Twitter and the other, you know, media outlets and things like that. Uh, sort of continuing the whole batman versus superman thing into real life so i put a little a quick image in there check it out it's pretty funny that is funny yeah um <clears throat> okay here we do have some tv news sort of go ahead gotham oh yeah let's talk about gotham um so i'm not caught up on it by any means um but uh this asshole tweeted something the other day about how it's all of a sudden becoming like a show that must be watched the night of now yeah um which Here's the thing. We're we're really particular. I mean, okay, we're not that particular because we watch Supergirl every week, obviously. But yeah, um, there are certain shows though that we watch the night of. Mm-hmm. Um, the Flash is definitely a, a night of show. The Walking Dead is a night of show. Um, Arrow doesn't have to be these days. 
Honestly, I was just going to say, this is a topic that I meant to add into the show notes that I forgot about, but I want to talk more about Arrow in a second. But let's talk about Gotham first. So, um, yeah, if we go back in time, uh, all of, you know, say a year and a half ago when Gotham started, I, I watched a couple episodes and I was like, all right, well, this isn't terrible. And then it quickly moved into, no, this is pretty mad. I don't think I'm going to watch it anymore. And then finally, somehow, or some reason, I think I got bored. Maybe it was the summer. I think I told you to watch it because I... I... Oh, yeah, 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 that's it. I marathoned, like, the, the second half of the season, and it was actually really good. Yeah, so you you told me to watch it, and I think also it was, like, the summer, and I didn't really have anything else to watch, so I, I, I uh, got pretty close to caught up on Gotham as well. Um, and then for the last few weeks, I've only had one or two episodes that, uh, you know, what put me behind but then on the you know the other day it normally airs on monday and i was like oh shit cool gotham's out i gotta watch that tonight and i thought about that for a second and i was like well didn't i used to kind of not like the show at all but no it's actually gotten really good like this is probably um probably on par with uh the the quality change from agents of shield like the first uh six seven eight episodes of agents of shield was just boring as all hell um but now a i uh really really like it obviously i'm really excited and kind of bummed that we're recording a stupid fucking podcast instead of watching agents of shield right now um <laughs> for but, those for those of you at home keeping score we usually do this on saturday night mm-hmm. um this week didn't work out uh, actually for both of us for a multitude of reasons but uh and then last night we were we we kind of had a, a a soft go live date and then that didn't happen either so no, here we yeah. are tuesday night recording the show so um we're missing agents of shield um i don't know if we could have done it if the flash was on we would we'd probably have to wait and see that yeah. that that right now is still the holy grail for me as far as tv watching goes oh definitely the flash and and probably the walking dead is up there like uh just absolutely cannot miss the night it comes out it's like i plan my week around it essentially yeah yeah i should also mention one of us is doing this sober yeah and it's not me it's weird <laughs> <laughs> so by the end of the show one of us will still sound semi-coherent hopefully maybe i have no promises maybe yeah <laughs> um all right so anyway got got Gotham's Gotham. really good apparently it's good yeah there uh the villain thing too i didn't i thought the villain thing the villain angle you know looking back on it would be kind of lame but i actually really like how it's turning out so yeah, I got I got about seven episodes in the DVR. I'll probably try and kill off throughout the week. Yeah, and so far, for the most part, um, it does throw some curveballs. Like uh, I saw somebody tweet basically, if you look at this like an Elseworlds story, it's really really good. And so as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's how I'm watching the show. So um, we have some more semi-related Batman news. Um, Christian Bale uh, recently interviewed said he wasn't quite happy with his performance as Batman. This this article actually read. Yeah. What'd you think? I mean, I mean, what I mean by that is I read everything that you put in, in the show notes. Of course, me too. Um, but no, I actually read this one um, on my own before it was in the show notes. And uh, I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Actually, because um, he, he really wanted to, to dive into the the pain and, and angst that makes Batman Batman. And then they did The Dark Knight and Heath Ledger totally took his spotlight and he couldn't do what he wanted to do. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's kind of how I felt too. Like, um, first off, Christian Bale is a perfectionist. Obviously, right? Um, you can go watch the uh, video where he yells at the DP. Um, Christian Bale is very much a perfectionist. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it doesn't surprise me that he's disappointed in his performance because he wasn't the clear shining star in, in at least the Dark Knight. Uh, fuck, whatever the middle one. The, the Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. Yeah, yeah, I always get that confused now. Just FYI, I'm probably gonna do that at various points throughout the show yeah. now yeah 
Um, no, I think you're right. And if, if you look at his other performances, like, did you watch uh, The Fighter? I haven't. With him and Mark Wahlberg? Mm-mm. Dude. That's been on my list of like, God, I keep seeing this movie pop up and I know I need to watch it, but I still haven't. He clearly, like his performance as a crackhead in that, like it blows away anything that Wahlberg does. Yeah. So. Well, that's, that's sort of typically true for Christian Bale. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's um, sort of upset with his performance in Batman, because he, he uh, not only wasn't the clear star, which is probably abnormal for Bale, because that's kind of been true for quite a while now. Yeah. Um, but he was actually even overshadowed. Um, so, and, and I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to take away from his Batman. I think he's being a little hard on himself. I really, especially in Batman Begins, I really enjoyed what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman Begins, he, you know, the way he, he decided to play Bruce Wayne, you know, that was sort of a, um, quite a different take than we've seen with, uh, Bruce Wayne, especially on the screen, um, which I enjoyed. Yeah, one of the things I liked about Batman Begins and his portrayal of Bruce Wayne I don't think we've probably ever actually talked about this, but when he comes back and actually decides that he's Bruce Wayne, yeah, uh, he does things like show up to fancy dinners with women on his arm, sometimes multiple women and stuff like that. And you don't really see that portrayed anywhere, um, even anymore in like the comics and the stuff like that. One one place you did see him show up with dates quite frequently um, was Batman the Animated Series, actually. Yeah, um, but that's that's it. Like you have Batman the Animated Series, and then you have. Um, Batman Begins, and that's about the only time that you actually see him like strut his stuff as a billionaire playboy. Yeah, I, I really like that how he played that. You know, because we've said this on the show before, but Bruce Wayne is the mask. You know, Batman is who he is. Bruce Wayne is the mask, and I thought that came across more clearly with Christian's uh, Batman than anything else so far. So, yeah, except for maybe the animated series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I dug the animated series for a lot of different oh, reasons, yeah. not just I mean, that, but I mean a ton, but um. No, and I, and I think it's, I'm one of the things I'm really excited about this the new movie for is to see Affleck and and his take on on how to put on the mask of Bruce Wayne. So, which yeah. I think is going to be good. I think we're actually going to see less of a mask. I think most of the Bruce Wayne that we're going to see, aside from a couple scenes, and this is just my prediction, most of the Bruce Wayne we're going to see is like the real Bruce Wayne, which is basically Batman without the cowl that Alfred sees. Yeah, I think so too. I think, um, first off, this is going to be a crowded movie pretty much anyway, slice it. So I'm not sure how much screen time they're going to devote to, um, Bruce Wayne, you know, as Bruce Wayne sort of, uh, thing. So I, I'd be, I'd be kind of surprised, but it's possible. But yeah, I, I have the same take on it as you from everything we've seen so far. You haven't really seen that portrayal of the character. The only maybe small, like, hint of a frame basically is when they're talking to Lex. Um, yeah, the introduction between Clark Kent and, and Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, and even then I, I kind of feel like that isn't, that's not nearly as different night and day, uh, the way that, uh, Christian Bale played Bruce Wayne. So anyway, stop being so rough on yourself, Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up. Those are good yeah. movies actually. And, and anything that sucked about those movies isn't really on him. Like if that, if that series had remained a duology, I don't think I'd complain about any part of it. I think, yeah, I think we probably pretty much agree on this. The, the Dark Knight Rises, and I, you know, they're kind of dealt a bad hand here. Like, I, I have a feeling that the Joker would have played a more, a much more significant part in the second, the third movie. Well, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's politicking. It's, you know, Nolan didn't want to do a third movie. He wasn't gonna do a third movie. Warner Brothers basically strong-armed him into doing it by agreeing to fund Inception entirely. Yeah. Um, which is a project that he wanted to do, and if you get to get to do a movie that you really want to do and you don't actually have to foot the bill yourself. I mean, 
you, you kind of make those deals to do that. And then what we got out of it for, from the Batman side was the dark Knight rises. So, and I'm not saying he phoned it in, but it's a movie that he didn't necessarily have, have plans to do in the first place. And it's kind of hard to put your heart and soul into something that you thought was already done. They weren't, they weren't planning a trilogy. I, I don't think so. What I, what I had heard was that he wasn't going to do the third one and, and, and then Warner brothers kind of said, yeah, no, do it. seriously do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually kind of surprising. Um, first off, you don't see many duologies these days. I think we should see more of them. It wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Like, um, there's plenty of movies that would probably be better served by two stories or two, two movies rather than three. Yeah. Like let the Hobbit, for example, probably better served by one movie, but yeah, still quite possibly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I kind of agree that the, um, I really liked the, uh, Batman begins. I think controversially is probably my favorite of the trilogy. Um, the dark Knight, though, obviously special place in my heart, best portrayal of the Joker. I think we've seen yet, and it's going to be really hard to top for a really long time. Different, different portrayal of the Joker too. I mean, not, not what we've seen already. We didn't get a Cesar Romero and we didn't get a Jack Nicholson. And, and here's the thing. And I get shit on a lot for my opinion on this, but I didn't really care for the Jack Nicholson Joker nearly as much because I always just thought he played Jack Nicholson. I think that's fair. Um, in fact, I've heard that criticism come up a lot in that case. Um, I, I didn't necessarily mind that. I mean, he he, he kind of worked for that. But yeah, no, um, the, the transformation from Heath Ledger to the Joker, you can see, you know, like Heath Ledger brought some serious acting to that, that table. So yeah, yeah, it was I mean, if you look at the Batman villains that we've seen cinematically, the reason that that the Jack Nicholson Joker, I think, gets a lot of, of attention or got a lot of attention at the time is because comic book movies just didn't really happened that often back then in 89 we were kind of done with the superman movies especially because three and four sucked cock yeah and uh any yeah quite literally i'm pretty sure somebody was on their knees to get those movies made yeah um so we hadn't really seen a ton of of comic book movies at all and then we got the batman that we got which was partially inspired by the by frank miller's the dark knight i mean it had to have been because he was dark i mean it was this was not a a um a campy-ish or or even light-hearted comic book movie you know i i think um this is actually one of the uh better things that tim burton's done because i i don't quite find a whole lot of um batman 1989 is its own thing like it, it, it is it does take some aspects of, of previous works and i, I you know you, i actually say the, the dark knight, knight was only bit. like 88 wasn't it yeah so they had to have already been in production for this movie before frank miller even wrote yeah, see, so, there, there's, a, there's a lot of things about the 89 Batman that um, are just interesting ways to go about it. Like, the the this was really present in the animated series, too, how they sort of have this, like, out-of-time sort of world. Yeah. You know, like the old cars, but, you know, yeah, somewhat you modern technology. You don't technology. actually know what decade right. they're in. Right. Um, obviously, a darker take on Batman. Batman's usually in gray, you know, at, at this point, or even sometimes purple. Purple boots, at least. Um yeah so it it was its own thing it was um a new take on the character a little bit in sort of an interesting way um so yeah i don't know i don't know where we're going with that shit dude i'm even sober and i don't know what the fuck we're talking about (laughs) no what i was what i was talking about was just i i I thought nicholson's joker got a lot of credit because of the fact that we hadn't gotten a lot of comic book uh, comic book movies but when you look at the villains that we had throughout the villains that were in, especially the uh, Burton slash Schumacher set of movies, none of them were their own characters. Um, Jack Nicholson was very much Jack Nicholson on screen. 
Danny DeVito was very much Danny DeVito on oh, screen. See, I kind of think DeVito. Jim Carrey. Oh, come on. Yeah, I mean, that's... Tommy Lee Jones. Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. That, that, Freeze! That was the worst shit. Somebody posted a clip on this the other day I saw on the internet, and I, I, it just, I cringed. I forgot exactly how bad it was. Like, it was so bad. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'd give it to DeVito in the, in the, uh, the Burton Schumacher. Really? Because yeah. I watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I just, you just, just keep the penguin. Just <laughs> waddle around. <laughs> I mean, there's not, it's not like he can physically transform himself the way that some of the other actors do, but. Do you, would you watch that That's show primarily, at all? um, I only seen a few episodes, which is another Dude, thing there's, I need There's to an episode in particular where, uh, he has a chest full of meat and the other guys really <laughs> want to eat the meat because it looks really good, but he has them convinced that it's human meat. <laughs> It's it's fucking hilarious. Anyway, I right. digress. So anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Kevin Smith. We got some more news. Kevin Smith. Yeah. So we talk about this guy a lot too on the show because we're both big fans of of his and whatnot. Yeah. Um. And today he spent the first day on set directing an episode of The Flash. Yeah. It's like two of our worlds collide in the best way. Uh. There. So yeah. I'm really excited for this because obviously Kev is a big fan of um, the Flash comics in general. You know, he's got his own Fat Man on Batman podcast um, where they talk about Batman every week. Yeah. Uh, to give you an idea, you know, how big a fan Kevin is of uh, comic books. So, um, of course, we like that. I think we could say pretty unequivocally we like Kev's directing. Um, and, of course, we love the Flash. So, yeah, it's it's sort of like you you got peanut butter in my jelly. And it's, it's fun to see... Uh somebody who's actually a fan of something that we're also a fan of. Yeah. Um, because there's, there's like video of him, like weeping during the, the season finale of oh, yeah, the flash yeah. from last year and stuff like that. So obviously like he's as into the show as we are. I'm kind of jealous actually. Cause it's, it's sort of like, he looks like getting to do this. Like I would feel getting to do this. Like, Holy shit. I can't believe I'm here. Like how the hell did this Dude, happen? Do you yeah. know how this happened? <laughs> because he talked about this on a podcast. Oh really? Yeah. So he's a big fan of the show and, it was basically uh, Muse's wife, I think. It, it, she runs the company. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, Jordan. And so she was like, um, why don't you like go do something with it or something if you like it so much? He's like, I don't know. It doesn't really work that way. So she basically called the C-Dub and was like, hey, um, can Kevin Smith come direct an episode? <laughs> and they were like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so i mean it's the cw so that they were probably like kevin's probably a big star over there like biggest director they've had essentially yeah and then um he recently hosted that thing uh like the insight into the the justice league series I saw and stuff that, like yeah. that i actually got a lot of um people come up to me and ask me what i thought of that which because i really enjoyed the special the it was it was just oh, a little I did too. half an hour deal that dives was it an hour maybe it was an hour i don't remember it wasn't it was definitely not more than an hour, but I want to say that one was only a half because I think the Captain America one that aired around the same time was, that was two hours. Yeah, that was long. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I remember being a little disappointed just because of length. Yeah. Sorry, size queen. Yeah. But uh, I, I had a lot of people come up to me and talk, talk to me about how Kevin didn't seem very knowledgeable about oh, comic yeah. books and stuff like that. And And what I will tell them is this. TV is not what... Like, you don't have a discussion on television like you have in your living room with people of, of like minds. Jeff Johns was brought in to do that special because he's very obviously, he's the chief creative officer at DC and writes several of their books. So he was he was brought in to be the quote-unquote expert. Yeah. 
Um, Kevin Smith was there to fill our shoes if we're not already knowledgeable about the product and stuff like that, to ask the questions that you would ask if you didn't know the origins and whatnot. Um, and what I basically tell people aside from that is Kevin Smith has probably forgotten more about comic books than you or I have ever known. So see the thing about that is I like I saw the same thing I saw the, some criticism of him online too along the same lines and it's like guys he was being the host you can yeah. tell it's clearly pretty scripted it's not like Kev had a, a chance to sit down and nerd out about comic books like he does on he, his he podcast didn't say fuck one time repeatedly like right. that was the least Kevin Smith I've ever seen Kevin Smith be like that's the only I mean and what else are you gonna do somebody on network te- uh, television says you want to come do this big thing with the Batman versus Superman thing again you say fuck yes and then you have to you know school yourself for the next few months to make sure you don't say fuck a million times on right. TV right so yeah um, it was kind of like us when we were interviewing Marv yeah <laughs> don't say fuck no you can't say fuck anymore which we weren't um, really sure if that was even the policy but we just kind of took that he didn't like, swear so we didn't either yeah we're like we're gonna pretend to be professionals for the next 45 minutes um so yeah i mean the, the, i thought people were being pretty hard on kev for that because like he clearly was only there uh um, as the host he wasn't there to you know nerd out and chat and stuff like that so yeah so if if any of you out there think that kevin smith is not knowledgeable about comic books go check out a few episodes of his batman on batman podcast and learn how wrong you are yeah all right so let's shift over to the marvel universe for a little bit and we've got um some pretty light marvel news this week uh the first being uh sly stallone on the set of guardians 2 it's yeah i didn't know that was a thing well you know it's what, what you do you know yeah, green lazy. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait to see Sly's take on whatever alien creature he plays. It it should be noted that every impression that I do of, on this show is actually an impression of Ralph Garman doing impressions. <laughs> None um, of this material is my own. Yeah, it's okay. I'm pretty sure, like, if you can do a decent Sylvester Stallone impression, they're pretty much all the same. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Um. So anyway, yeah, that, I thought that was kind of strange. I guess that's fine. I mean, Sly, Sly can act in, in um, you know, when, when he has to. Well, and who's to say they're not going to drop a fuck ton of makeup on him and, you know, not even make him speak? Oh, yeah, like one you of the Ravagers know. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they could do whatever they want with that guy. And, and I, I don't know. What I think is cool about this kind of stuff, and we didn't actually link this, and we can maybe kind of tie this in uh, to The Walking Dead, so I'm not going to actually do this until after we talk about Civil War. Okay, so also we had a little bit of news from uh, Captain America's Civil War. We've uh, got an official runtime, two hours, 27 minutes, clocking it in as the longest of the Marvel movies, um, beating Age of Ultron, and uh, still putting it about four minutes shy of Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. Good times, man. These are two movies that need to be big, and I'm really excited to see that they're giving them the screen time they need. We we have come from a world where... For years, we didn't get actual comic book movies, and if we did, it was like a one-off, or they turned to complete shit after the first two. Yeah. Um, or we also got stuck with a lot of stuff that went straight to DVD and ended up being an 80-minute cartoon. Yeah, stuff like that. The other thing that I would say is pretty popular is to do a comic book movie and then try to pretend like it's not a comic book movie and then kind of make a bad movie. Yeah. And also a very bad comic book movie, you know, so things that jump to mind would be like probably the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they try to go a pretty different direction um, and, and, you know, focus on the realistic aspects and that, yeah, I guess for the Punisher, it kind of You can works, do that but, with the Punisher, I think for the most part, but, uh, but we just, there, there was a lot of ad- adaptations where they, they sort of, uh, I don't know, 
skip some of the comic alias is a tv series that comes to mind because alias was originally loosely based on jessica jones but Mm -hmm. nothing to do with comic books whatsoever by the time the show actually aired it just got cool for a while to be like okay so we're gonna do a comic book movie so we give them the costume and then we change everything else about them yeah yeah so anyway glad to see we're not living those that life anymore yeah i mean my point about the runtime was like we've gone from like 80 minutes straight to dvd cartoons to we have two and a half hour full-on cinematic like blockbuster films now Um, yep which is awesome so totally awesome um anyway my point about sly yeah from the last one is this is probably not something that they cast for and he auditioned or whatever like he probably expressed interest through his agent that he was interested in doing this yeah um and i think we're seeing that a lot more um most notably uh mace windu Oh, duh. Yeah. He's one of those. Uh, Sam Jackson obviously w- wanted to be in, in Star Wars, so he, he got a pretty prominent role, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things like this. Johnny Depp actually made it somewhat of an appearance in, in the episode of The Walking Dead that aired Sunday night. Really? Yeah. He wasn't actually in it. Go on. But one of the one of the severed heads that they were looking to um, pose as uh, what's-his-face's head to take into... Yeah, Gregory. Yeah, Gregory's head. That one of those was actually modeled after Johnny Depp's face. <laughs> so the, the, everybody's all, why do you have a severed head of Johnny Depp? You don't? Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's one of those things. Um, people like prominent stars are now asking to be featured in some way, shape or form in, in some of these pop culture things that, that a lot of people are into. Daniel s- Craig as one of the stormtroopers in episode seven. Big example. Yeah, oh, Simon perfect, perfect example because... Uh, he didn't do anything like he wasn't Daniel Craig. Like I didn't even know. Like I didn't even know. Probably not until the second viewing. But he had um, lines because I heard that. You know, he had lines, but it, he wasn't like a prominent character. There was nothing really identifying. It was clearly just like a. You know what? I really want to be in Star Wars. I don't really care how. Like make me, you know, backdrop guy number three or something like that, and that's yeah. fine. Um, so yeah, I want to say that's happened with The Walking Dead too. Like they've had zombie stars essentially. Yeah. Um, but I can't. I can't think of any uh, examples. All right, so anyway, let's talk about The Walking Dead then. Yeah, since we're already there. Yep. Good episode. Oh, I loved it. It was so intense. It was so intense, and here's one of the things that I really loved about it. Didn't know what the fuck was going on, because that was not something that happened in the comic book. No, and um, we're, we kind of got left with a cliffhanger, too, at the end of this episode, um, which is not uncommon for The Walking Dead. But nope. uh, this one in particular is, is pretty intense. So basically, the, the overall... Um, story arc for this episode i think we talked about the last episode last week right yep so um we've kind of gone from the um they, they've met jesus they've gone to the hilltop gregory has basically said um we'll give you our some supplies if you can help us take out the saviors and rick is basically like well fuck the saviors then because we need food yeah that was this is um i guess a pretty interesting way or to characterize rick now because uh they don't know who the saviors are nope don't know shit about him nope they were just like well that one guy was an asshole to daryl on the road that one time so let's fuck their shit up you know yeah. like yeah they all deserve to die it's yeah. fine um this was intense because and actually it, this kind of goes back a little bit into the last episode but rick had very little to do with the actual negotiation with the hilltop too he left that squarely in maggie's lap and i think this is um kind of the the tv show's way of nodding to the comic book and and at the role that maggie has taken on in the comics i think it is and i think it's really setting her up for more of that future role so spoilers if you're not a comic book reader um in the comics uh, eventually maggie essentially becomes the leader of the hilltop yeah she runs Um, it 
So I, I thought that this was a good way to set that up. In fact, maybe even a little bit more cleverly done than the book. Yeah. Because I think it, at some point they were just like, well, uh, Rick was kind of like, well, you're on my group. Go be in charge over there or yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't, there wasn't anything that really led into that. Yeah. Um, um, without, you know, proving she was a leader of any sort at all. So I, I really kind of liked that. I thought that was a clever way to uh, add that to her character in the show. Yeah. And if you, if you watch the show, but maybe didn't necessarily remember the last 10 minutes or so of the, of the previous week's episode, go watch it because it's really important to see her interaction with Gregory. Yeah. When she brokers this deal. And it sort of sets up this stupid plot hole and not plot hole, but you know, a plot device for the end of this week's episode, which is of course. Um, so, okay, let's talk about the episode first and then we'll yeah. get there because first off loved seeing just the downright brutality in rick's group like so the premise is essentially we're gonna go kill the saviors it's not like we're gonna negotiate we'll get you out of the shitty deal you're in you know like we're gonna help be the middleman for your debt collection agency like the commercials you see on tv it's just like nope we're gonna fucking kill them like so um they get together in the town hall and they're basically like okay so here's the deal we're gonna go kill all these guys uh and we get food right cool yeah and, Only uh, one person really objected, and of yeah. course that's Morgan, which if you're following the show, you know that he has kind of a moral objection to killing at all at this point. You know, what was also sort of interesting is who didn't have an objection. Like, they kind of panned over to Gabriel, and I was like, well, Gabriel's going to be a whiny little bitch about it. Nope. And then he's like, nope, nope, we're cool. Which, um, and then again, this is this is kind of a nod toward the comic books, and it's actually kind of a nod toward where we're at now with the comic books. That's what I said to Ashley. You know, what's weird about this episode is they they swung that plot line way the fuck up because that we're still fifty books from uh, where Gabriel's getting to right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that I thought that was really interesting and not something that we've seen before in terms of taking something out of the comic book way early you know if they follow it it's usually kind of relatively close to where they're at um or where they were at in the comic books they don't really jump too far ahead they they add things that aren't in the comic books at all which is why i actually watch it weekly because it's it's fun yeah um but this i thought was really interesting and um also spencer didn't give a shit or was it spencer or was it aaron that stood up and and objected to uh morgan as well it was aaron it was aaron okay so aaron also kind of was just like hey um Here's the deal. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it, it's kind of interesting because we go back to the beginning of the season where the Alexandrians are basically little whiny, you know, pasty face bitches. Uh, um, yeah, seeing that sort of turn around. And Aaron probably would have been the most seasoned of the Alexandrians, Alexandrians having actually spent some time out the walls. But um, it, it was sort of interesting seeing the whole group go from like, okay, human life is great and all that stuff to like just sheer brutality. Yeah. Like it's no longer like we, we like they used to be like, uh, you know, we, we'll hit back if they hit first. And now they're just like, well, fuck them, you know? Yeah. What, what, and obviously what did it was the attack by the wolves and then, then the sudden um, when the wall broke and the and all the zombies got in and whatnot, like that was a huge wake up call on on both fronts for yeah. the Alexandrians. Um, we also get to deal with um, Carol and her subplot where she now smokes and has a sort of romantic interest with some old dude in the village. I can't remember what his name is. Either. Me neither. He's probably um, gonna die, so it doesn't matter. I, I did like the little nod to the beginning in the beginning of the episode. Carol, you know, goes all uh, uh, making cookies. Holy homemaker, like, yeah. yeah, and uh, you know passes out cookies to everybody and then leaves one on sam's grave i was surprised she wasn't like whistling like i kind of killed that kid yeah you know, like oops 
Yeah. Um, so you know, was... I said that to my wife too. I was like, I was like, well, it's kind of her bad that kid's dead. And then yeah. my wife was like, no, that kid was a little bitch. It's kind of his bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want that kid to come back or anything. I'm just <laughs> right. saying, Carol, Carol kind of, uh, you know, it was like the butterfly f- f- effect essentially. She was that butterfly. Yeah, that she flapped her wings in China, and then yeah, except for she kind of hit him in the face with her wings. I mean, yeah. it's still a butterfly. It doesn't hurt very much, but um, slightly more consequential. So anyway, um, any. Uh, it, it eventually comes down to Rick's group decides to go um, totally fuck up the saviors, so they do that. Um, and you think at first that I I thought you know they were gonna go a different route, like it's something something was gonna change last minute. But no, they sneak in. They basically just brutally murder a bunch of fucking people in the like dead of night, like just quietly stabbing them in the head. Yeah, um, it shit's hardcore. Um, Which he can't do. Yeah, we found out he he actually has um, you know. No, I don't think it's that he can't do it. That was actually a really neat moment because Glenn kind of Glenn had just finished. Heath and Glenn have that moment in the episode earlier where they're talking about like, "Have you ever killed anybody?" And basically, the answer is no. Neither one of them have ever really killed a person. Right. Uh, um, they've killed walkers plenty of times, but not necessarily a person. Um, so Heath is going to put his guy down in the same room. Glenn has just finished off his dude, and and Glenn is visibly shaken. Which, by the way great moment of acting from yeah. steven yun um so heath is going to kill his guy and you can see you know like he's having that moment of hesitation and glenn kind of waves him off as an i thought that was more like a uh i don't want you to have to live with this on your conscience so yeah I'm i've gonna done take it care now and i'm you. good so yeah 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 so that i thought was a pretty badass moment for glenn um it, it, if you know not for the fact that they're you know totally just murdering people which which don't don't take this any other way other than the fact that they they were absolutely just fucking murdering people yeah this 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 was not like they do in the episode try to give you a little bit of background to show that the saviors are kind of assholes like when they show you the wall of the the um you know beaten to death corpses right like i got a feeling that was like to show you that these are bad guys like right they're not good people but on the same hand, they were just, you know, murdering them in their sleep. A lot of those guys looked like they might have been victims of uh, Lucille. I kind of thought so, too. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't sure. Um, there was two ways I thought you could interpret that scene with all those pictures. Is One, uh, those pictures were there because they're victims of Lucille to remind those guys what happens when they get out of line. Or two, um, they were trophies, essentially. But yeah. I, I don't think that's the case. I think the first case is probably the likely one, which is... This is what happens when you get out of line. Yeah. Um, either way, I mean, we're heading into some pretty intense shit, and this scene only got even more. So I'm not, here's let me let me set the scene for you a little bit too, because the first half of this episode kind of moves a little slower. It does because a lot of the town hall stuff, um, in the council and whatnot, and I'm used to watching my shows three hours early because I've had Directv forever. Mm-hmm. now that i'm with comcast don't get me wrong i love the xfinity x x1 platform for my cable and whatnot but they do not have the they're not sponsoring us east coast feed no <laughs> just kidding. um they don't have the east coast feed at all and so like i actually had to wait until nine o'clock to watch this show like an animal like yeah like i'm some fucking some kind of fucking animal or something um and so i was kind of starting to nod off a little bit because i'm old <laughs> it's about 9 30 right now matt's gotta tuck her out yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so 
but then all of a sudden, like about twenty at nine twenty five, like whatever we got, we got through some commercials, and all of a sudden, like shit was on, and then I'm like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, that was so. I mean, so tense. This is some of the best Walking Dead, like probably ever, because that whole that whole thing, like I was just like gripping pillows, like gripping the couch pillows, you know, on the edge of my seat, like really well. Pulling shot. Ashley's hair a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we get there, and and. <laughs> It goes sideways pretty quick. I mean, yeah. uh, basically, one of the dumb asses weren't quick enough on the trigger, and they let a guy set off an alarm. It was and so, Abraham. Yeah. <laughs> of all people who, I mean, they stabbed him a couple times, and they're like, we'll just let him fall down naturally, except for he falls right into the, I mean, he just turns around and pulls the thing. And then, of course, they finish him off. But um, then we get into, you know, basically like a gun battle, and shit goes down, and uh, in the long run... All of our heroes managed to escape unscathed, and I think the only reason that that happened is essentially because this is not a com- not from the comic books. This is something entirely its own, and I think they didn't want to do anything special until so next episode, they or make, possibly the they, final. They make references in the comic books, and spoilers again if you're if you're not following the comics comics, but they make spo- uh, references a little bit to the fact that the saviors don't just have one main base of operations; they've got like satellite little yeah. bases and stuff like that Which and they couldn't have been I, more slap you in the face literal with uh yeah because with the episode. giant satellite in this yeah. one yeah so i think that's what this was like i don't think this is actually the base where negan lives or anything like that these these are the low guys in the totem pole that have to man the, the outer things so um spoilers don't be surprised when you find that out next week well we kind of found out a little bit of that this week because they're yelling at them to come out and come out and stuff like that uh, or actually our heroes are catching the one last guy who's trying to get away they've got a gun on him and then uh, some chick starts yelling at them essentially saying you know lower your weapons we've got you surrounded blah 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 um and then we get our first big hint towards negan yeah which um also worth noting in the tv show uh they don't know who negan is like they they know negan's a bad dude uh but they don't i don't think that negan's been seen even by the hilltops the hilltop people they just know who he is. Yeah, they know of him by reputation alone, which is kind of cool because in in the uh, comics, I'm pretty sure Negan was dealing more directly with Gregory, at least on a semi regular basis. Yeah. Um, whereas in this one, they don't even know who he is. I mean, they've never met him personally, so he's operating purely on um, reputation, which sort of adds to uh, the the myth, you know what Negan's going to be for the show. Yeah. Also side note in this one, Abraham um, breaks up with Rosita. Yeah. That was probably the coldest fucking kill of the whole show. Yeah, it really was. And then also, um, did anybody care? I didn't No, I mean, first off I knew that it follows the comic storyline. So I knew that was going to happen. Not directly though. Cause if I remember correctly, Abraham basically cheats on her first and he's dead. Isn't he like, by the like, by this time, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like he would have been dead already by this time because he died the first time they encountered a herd. Yeah, you're probably right there too. Um, but uh, yeah, this is just kind of one of those things that nobody nobody really cares about. And then like the episode before this was also riddled with a lot of like Abraham moments. Yeah. Um. Like, were you trying to make a baby when you poured that batter? Yeah. <laughs> really? I I think they're just like, you know, what funny shit can we make Abraham say this week? Like yeah. Abraham is the sole source Why for comic. Why are Klingons always brown? Yeah. What? Really? <laughs> just the way shit is. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Um so nobody gives a fuck about Abraham right now. 
I don't know. He was he was interesting. I mean, he was funny in the show, but yeah, this this was not like a, oh my gosh, I can't believe they. I just felt bad for Rosita because that shit was hardcore, like just savage, yeah. absolutely savage. Uh, I forget who did he cheat. He didn't cheat on the show. No, he he, he basically saw what's her face, Sasha. Sasha, yeah, he wants to bang Sasha. Basically, he's like, yeah, I want to bang Sasha. So I'm sorry, Rosita. I know we've been through hell and back, but I'm gonna go bang Sasha now. Yeah, his exact words were, "I thought you were the last woman on earth. You're not." Yeah, and then leaves. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, cold motherfucker. So, that's all I'm saying. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's so that's The Walking Dead this last week. Yeah, so, only a few more shows left for the for the remainder of the season. Yeah, so of course the cliffhanger we're left on for the end of the episode is that uh, Carol and Maggie, Maggie who assisted she er, insisted she came along since she brokered this deal, um, Carol and Maggie getting captured because they stayed behind to watch the perimeter or whatever, yeah. and you know of course we need some plot force to get our heroes to give up and you know try to go towards uh, Negan's camp. Kind of hoping it's time for Carol to go. You think so? Yeah. I'm kind of hoping. I mean, I I don't think her character really adds much to it. In fact, when they came back from their mid-season break, like, she had nothing to do with anything for until, like, this episode. You know, that actually would not be shocking um, because we're coming up to a pretty big, and again, massive, massive, massive spoilers, um, which I think we've already spoiled on the show at some point before. But we're coming up to a pretty big thing, and that's the introduction of Negan. And when I say the introduction of Negan, I mean when they learn exactly what kind of a fucking dude Negan is when he brutally murders Glenn with a baseball bat in front of the rest of the group. Yep. So um, there's been some talk already, if you're a comic book reader, if you thought that they were necessarily going to kill Glenn, because they could accomplish the same thing in lots of different ways. Dude. And Carol is not one, or one that would be very, very possible to accomplish the same sort of thing with. Dude, they they have fucked with us with about Glenn so much this season. Like, he's been in so many situations where we're like, oh, he's done. How's he going to make it out of this? You know See, what I mean? I never thought he was done. I I mean, I, I knew you, they have, they definitely have. They've been screwing with us about Glenn dying for this whole season. I, already. And I don't just mean when he was hiding under the dumpster. I mean, there's been a couple scenes since then, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That it's just been like, Oh uh, yeah. Eh. So I, I assume they're, or I had been assuming the whole time they're keeping him alive because he has to die when Negan comes to town. But uh, now that you mention it, it really wouldn't surprise me all that much if they off Carol instead. I think Maggie, Maggie's definitely here, especially with her character development and getting her, like we were talking about earlier, that that development and leading her up towards being the leader at Hilltop. But, uh, man. Plus, she's pregnant. That yeah. seems to get you out of things. It does, until you have the baby. In which case, you know, they're, they're like uh, pro-life, pro-lifers, yeah. essentially. You can it's, have the baby, and that's as far as you get. Speaking of pregnant, uh, did you notice how pregnant Alana Masterson was during most of this yes. episode? I said that to my to Ashley. We were watching the show, and I was like, dude, she's pregnant, right? And Ashley's like, in the show, they're lesbians, you stupid bastard. And I was like, no, in real life. I mean, just look. Like, they keep shooting her, you know. With they, the dishes and stuff in front of her. They keep shooting her the way they shoot pregnant people, and she's always wearing a hoodie, and, you know. Yeah. And I was like, yep, yep, she's totally pregnant. Yeah, she was. And, in fact, she was actually on The Talking Dead that night. Mm-hmm. She was a guest on it, and not pregnant anymore oh really by this time yeah yeah because the it's, I mean, been, these were it's been a while yeah. yeah um she was about nine months pregnant when they filmed this episode though and she wow. said it was 110 degrees in atlanta and they're just 
<laughs> draping clothes over and whatnot. So, yeah, totally That's almost pregnant. Cruel and unusual. And it, was, it was really funny how they shot her, and in, the, in fact, the last few episodes you can kind of tell. So, yeah, I didn't really get it super strongly until this episode, and I was like, oh yeah, she's totally pregnant. Yeah, especially because you know, uh, uh, women tend to put on just a little bit of baby fat around the time. You know, just a lot of women, at least when they're pregnant, tend to put on a little bit of baby fat, and I saw that just a teeny bit of that in her face, and I was like, huh. And then I was like, why aren't they? Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, let's actually, let's talk Walking Dead comic book because that's, that's our next perfect segue. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's our next deal. So, um, this is an intense issue. I think a lot, when we talked about this, uh, last week, um, the, the final panel of 151 was Eugene actually getting an answer on his radio. Yeah. Um, and so we deal with this a little bit, um, this this particular issue and this was actually a really good issue um basically the other dude is is uh like hey um i'm not gonna tell you shit because we can't trust each other yeah and eugene was like well whatever (laughs) (laughs) seems fair but uh excuse me i thought that scene played itself out really well yeah, I really like this scene too. Um, first off, Eugene is much less of a putz in the book, I think, than he is in the show. Um, so I hope we get this Eugene someday. I do. I think we're getting there. Although this Eugene is kind of darkened now, since he was banging Rosita, and then her head ended up on a pike. Yeah, that's totally true. But uh, the, basically, um, they they agree to only talk to one another if the dude calls back on the radio and somebody else answers, then like he breaks contact and they don't ever talk again and whatnot. One thing that we do find out though, is Eugene is like, like I said, he doesn't really care about how much information he gives this dude. And, or I assume it's a dude. It could be a chick. We don't know. It doesn't actually specify, but, uh, basically it was just like, um, we got about 50 in our community and the other guy was like, well, then you would have the disadvantage. So, we could be dealing with a seemingly much larger group at this point. Or at least a pretty solid liar. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. That's the thing is we don't know how much, how much trust there can be between these two at this, at this particular moment. Uh, another scene that I really liked in this, this one, um, which is kind of an important scene relative to the book. Uh, Rick is talking to the kid of somebody whose dad just got killed by the whispers. I can't remember what the fuck that kid's name is. His dad didn't get killed by the whispers. Who did he His get dad got killed by Rick. He's one of the guys that tried to kill Rick. Oh, right, right, right. And Rick right. fucked okay. him up. That's right. I'm, I'm uh, sorry. Yes, correct. His dad got killed by Rick. And, of course, this kid is super pissed off. And he's like, well, Rick's a cripple. And I can totally kill him. And so he starts beating the shit out of Rick. And Rick looks like he's losing until finally he says, you know, basically, are you done? And then whoops the shit out of the kid. Right. Like, he, Rick was clearly just taking the beating to let this kid vent some steam, essentially. Um, Hoping I, the kid would take the, yeah, you know, the lead and just be like, oh, okay, okay. He didn't. And then Rick was like, you come at me like that again, I'll fucking end you. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> you you get one, basically. And that was it, you know? Yeah. So, um that that was really cool because for a second i was like oh man maybe rick is getting kind of frail you know he's been through some shit he doesn't have his hand anymore in the comic books um he got fucked up pretty bad and uh gosh which one was i think that was the conflict with the whispers wasn't it where what 
Rick, um, it's not just his hand anymore. Like Rick's walking with a cane. I it think was their final against... battle battle against the Saviors. He got shot in the knee with that arrow. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He it should also be noted um, that that several years. It, well, I don't know about years, but it's some time has passed since that since their initial um, fight with the Saviors and stuff. And Rick isn't the same guy he was. He's he's older mm-hmm. as well as being kind of fucked up, and he's missing an arm and yeah, his his he's got a hobbled up leg. So anyway, for a second when this kid's kicking his ass, I was like, man, maybe Rick is getting old, you know? And then, uh, nope. He was just like, yeah, tough loving essentially. Yeah. Um, nice thing about the walking dead is, is they can get a lot of, a lot of story through with very little dialogue. It's, it's, it's a lot, a lot of the book is really visual, um, which a lot of people find is interesting because this is a black and white comic book completely. Um, but we're kind of almost at the end of the story already. And we've only talked about it really for like five minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the last piece of the, of the puzzle is there's a, there's a group heading back to the hilltop. This kid was originally supposed to go with that group. Doesn't get to, mm-hmm. um, because Rick is like, you're going to stay here. You're going to be under my watch and I'm going to make sure you're, I fix you Yeah. basically. Um, only the kid takes off, steals the keys to the jail and let's Negan out. Yep. Yep. Here's the thing though. The way Negan's been, man, it's a good thing I'm wearing this thing or I'm using this thing because, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way Negan has been the last several episodes uh, or last several issues is we don't actually know what page he's on now. Um, he's been beaten, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so half, I kind of half think that like he left with the kid, but he's going to basically show up to Rick's doorstep and be like, here, this kid tried to let me out. Yeah, you know, that wouldn't actually shock me. I think that would be a really cool direction to take Negan to. Um, first off, they've already got a big bad. Like, they've already got a problem right now with the Whisperers, so we don't need another antagonist, at least from a story t- storytelling point of view. But secondarily, I think it would just make Negan such a more interesting character. Uh, um, they've kind of been hinting at the fact that Rick needs Negan's help for the last several issues now. And that even Rick kind of is starting to feel like he might need Negan's help. Yeah. So, and, and you get, the, you know, you get the feeling that Negan, um, you know, like before this all went down, Negan was probably an asshole. Um, but he's been pushed by necessity and he's handling it the best way he knows how not to say he's a good dude. I mean, he's clearly pretty fucked up, but, um, I, I, that the impression I've gotten from the last few issues with Negan has been, you know, not that he's like pure evil, the way that we want him to think. In fact, you kind of see that in Negan's dialogue, you know, Negan kind of tells you essentially like, you know, I don't really enjoy killing people. Um, well, not that I think, well, it, but he basically says, you made me do this. Like, I didn't really have a choice. You made me do this shit. He's kind of the opposite of, of the governor. Um, the, kind of the twist they took. Cause the governor in, in the comic book, pure fucking evil. Yeah. Um, TV show, they kind of made him different. Like he's a lot different. You know what I mean? Um, Negan, on the other hand, kind of, and I kind of get where he, where where you're going with this is, Negan had a good thing going for himself. The only reason he got so brutal with Alexandria is because they fought back. They're the only ones that have fought back, really, and and pushed Negan to the point where he's like, well, what the fuck do I do? Yes, yeah, you know. The, the thing about Negan is, I think he's just kind of like. Um... I don't know. I want to say like an abusive father, sort of like he doesn't realize the shit he's doing is fucked up, but he thinks, you know, like clearly ironing in the, his, the, his face will teach this guy a lesson. Well, I don't think he likes to lose. Yeah, that's true. You know too. what I mean? Like that's that. I mean, the saviors were at least 
functioning as a group. Like there was rules, there was discipline, whether or not we agree with it morally, there was, you know, there was a chain of command and things were working for the saviors. And then all of a sudden the Alexandrians start to get uppity with them and, and stop giving them their shit. And Negan didn't know how to handle that. And obviously he didn't want to lose face in front of his group. I mean, so really, really when it comes down to it, Negan's essentially just a big bully. I mean, yeah. like he, he's just, he pushes the other groups around and he found order through, you know, doing it that way. Now he's, I think sort of seeing a change of heart because he's seeing Alexandria work without being, you know, total dicks like Negan he's, was. He's Nelson. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pretty much Nelson grown up. So yeah, that's the walking dead this week um, or this month for the uh, issue. That was issue number one fifty two. Yep. So next, we're probably going to recap a couple of other series in quite a bit less detail. But did, did you read The Dark Knight? I did not. Okay. It, we sat down. That was my, ah, God damn it. So we I don't have to talk to about that one yet. It's not done anyway, so it's not like we can really give it a good recap because they're they're through issue three now. Perfect. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, we've talked the last several weeks about um, The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller and then the sequel, The Dark Knight Strikes Again, which was shit compared to the first one. Yep. Um, just... Again, I'll, I'll I'll reiterate this particular series, The Dark Knight Three: The Master Race, much much better than The Dark Knight Strikes Again. Yeah, at least thus far. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um. So we'll talk about Spider Man next. Yeah, I think it's just Spider Man. Uh, that's not going to take a whole no, long. Only time. two issues so far. I mentioned it last week. We didn't talk in detail about it because I, I wanted Eddie to read it. Um. And who are we kidding? He wanted to read it too. So. Yeah. Um. So this is Spider Man number one. And I'm not sure exactly how we've gotten to this place, but essentially Miles Morales exists in the same universe as Peter Parker. This follows the events of Secret Wars 2. Which is why I don't get it, because I didn't read that, I don't think. You didn't read it at all. Damn. <laughs> Maybe I should. Maybe I should go back and read it. If Basically, it kind of took the multiverse and within Marvel, all the... Um, I, I don't remember the numbers that all the universes yeah. had and whatnot, but kind of everything exists in 616 now, which is the, the primary Marvel timeline. Gotcha. So... Um, so of course one effect of that is that we get Peter Parker as Spider-Man but also Miles Morales as Spider-Man so this Spider-Man number one and Miguel primarily is following Spider-Man 2099 uh, oh good point we have a shit ton of spider people now yeah Um, this one's primarily following Miles uh, so far is uh, is this going to be a Miles predominant book or is are they planning on switching at some point no this is this book is is focused on Miles yeah um and I really like it. First off, uh, I like Bendis's writing. Um, I don't know if that I'm that's a popular thing or not, but I enjoy I, Bendis. He had a pretty decent run on the most recent incarnation of Uncanny X Men. He's been he wrote that book, which you should probably check out at some point. But yeah, I yeah, was I, I was, was, I was happy with his about. work. Yeah, so I really like Bendis's writing. Um, Sarah Pacelli, I think, does the art too, and she's phenomenal. So yeah, especially like her work is really detailed, especially in this in this particular book. Um, I haven't, I'm not too familiar with her as an artist, but this was it. Really seems like it was actually done by an artist who genuinely cares about the product. I, i.e., Miles Morales in yeah. this case. He, uh, the art I thought was just blew me away in some cases. Like there were some places where, I, like a lot of the times I read through comic books, almost like you'd read through a book, like, and I miss some of the art and I have to go back and check it out again. And, and this one was really like, there was, there was at least a couple of panels that I stopped and I was like, Oh, that's, that's really well done. Like, God yeah. damn. Um, what I like about this book or this particular series so far is that the, this was a, a perfect introduction to a character, especially if you're not already aware of who miles is 
like for me i'm aware of who he is but i've never actually read ultimate spider-man so this is kind of my first go around with miles in, in his own book and whatnot um but they did it in a good way we mentioned earlier um about movies how and and my opinion is that there should be more duologies and stuff like that mm-hmm. comic books tend to do things in a in a story arc and it usually takes four or five issues sometimes more to complete an actual story arc this was a really good introduction story and it it was two issues and the actual story piece is done like that's all it took yeah and i think that was that was perfect for this because this is who he is there's an event this is the resolution and now we move forward into the adventures of of miles morales spider-man yeah i really like this too because um you can see exactly how much miles nerds out when he gets to meet peter parker who which is really funny who because he's met before but yeah but peter parker's sort of uh um you know like peter parker did had the same reaction you know when he met iron man and captain america and all that stuff like yeah. especially in the ulti- um, miles miles comes from the ultimate universe and of course the peter parker i'm referring to comes from the ultimate universe and i would distinctly remember when they met when he met i have read bigs. the first few issues of, of ultimate spider-man when it was still parker so yeah uh well it, there's like 130 i want to say before it switches over to miles and yeah. that no, i think it, they did I know something funny with the numbering but anyway uh, it's funny because uh um to me anyway because you know not not too many uh not too many issues ago we were reading peter parker having the same reaction to meeting you know captain america and iron man and all that stuff so i thought that was a nice little thing um plus uh, you know the interactions between peter and miles were pretty funny too like you know i, I still want to call myself spider-man and is that cool and he's all well spider you know woman never asked or something or like gwen never asked about you know being called no, no spider girl yeah spider girl no spider woman i don't i can't remember whichever the the gwen spider i think was is her name or yeah yeah, you're probably right jessica jessica did it too but i think he was talking about the gwen spider incarnation too um but anyway yeah no this 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 was a cool book and one of the reasons it was a cool book too is that um the villain in it was blackheart and we don't really see a lot of blackheart um for those of you who've watched movies and whatnot know blackheart is actually the um one of the antagonists in was it the first Ghost Rider? Mm, I don't know. I honestly don't care enough about Ghost Rider movies that I. I think it was. Probably it probably he was, was. He's the son of um, Mephisto, I think, or something like that. The devil, whatever. Yeah, he's a demon. Anyway, but I, I we don't really we don't see a lot of those villains anymore it's uh, it's always comic booky villains and whatnot we don't see a lot of the more demony ones and stuff so yeah. i kind of like that this was a, a villain that we haven't seen a bajillion times another another great way to introduce uh miles miles comes on the scene basically as blackheart has just gotten done totally wrecking decimating the avengers yeah cap cap you can see iron man's down um and the moment when he picks up the shield just awesome i think i tweeted it i, I loved it so much yeah it was all do i dare oh i dare you know like that was, and plus it's another good art piece too so and it was a good it was a good vehicle for the uh peter parker introduction to this too um because peter parker basically shows up on the scene and he's like ah oh, what'd you fucking do yeah like <laughs> you broke everything yeah took out iron man like to the point yeah. where he's like no you can't be spider-man anymore nope i'm done like you can't yeah. do this and then like all of a sudden blackheart shows up and miles kicks his ass and then parker's like yeah i've been wrong before it's fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right never mind um so yeah, I'm really liking this. We're only two issues in, but I'm really liking this run so far. Yeah, no, it's a good book. It's definitely on my. It's it's 
I've got a pretty massive pull list, but I mean, this is one that I didn't mind adding. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about Saga next because I think Spawn Spawn's a good way to. Uh, I, w- I really want to talk about Spawn, but yeah, yeah. So Saga, and I haven't read these. I haven't read Saga for quite a while. So Saga, or, Saga I mean, five through ten anyway. Yeah, five through ten. Um, this was this was fun because this was they got the they got the wooden rocket ship. Yeah, that grows. Isn't that rad? From the ground. Yeah, they must come from the same planet that Groot does or something. And then uh, Horn Dude's parents show up. Yeah, and they're like, um, "This is happening." And then like the Horn Dude is like. But why are you here? And they're like, you broke your sword because you're a dumbass. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was interesting because I really liked the interaction because he goes off with his mom to go rescue the the ghost chick uh-huh. that they adopt as the babysitter. Obliterated. Yeah, his parents obliterated her when they came on board the thing. Yeah. And they're like, well, she's already dead. I can't kill her. We just banished her somewhere. And so they're like, okay, well, we're going to go find her now. And then the dad stays behind with... Um, I can't. I can't remember the characters' names, which makes me. A Alana shitty... is the the girl. Yeah, the winged chick, and I. I just. I can't. remember. I've seen her tits a billion times, but I haven't actually like. <laughs> no. I don't remember her name. Um, lots of sex in this book. It's what happens when you, when you give the milk away for free, ladies. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't you can't remember? The... Oh, she was man. she was giving the milk to her kid, which I mean, I guess in fairness is probably okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. But the dad stays behind with Alana, and they have a really interesting relationship now because they they kind of went through distrust, and she turned the ship against him um, because the the wooden rocket ship is sentient. Uh, yeah, but then like I guess the dude convinced the ship what he was doing was for the best, and explained why to the ship and whatnot. And you find out that he's dying. Like, and Alana's the only other person that knows now. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably oh and then there was the um the subplot with the will yeah um there's a really really kind of interesting um scene where uh what's the spider chick's name I don't remember oh man we're gonna have to keep like a glossary I know she shows up um with like a big like patch on her chest where they where they stabbed her and shot her and whatnot and helps him rescue the girl from the uh the sex planet and then you find out that it's actually just he's he's dreaming because um he really did love the spider chick and he really does want to get that little kid off planet whatnot you see that's the thing about saga is it's kind of hard to remember any of the characters names because they're all such an individual thing you know, yeah. like if you've only seen Star Wars once or twice, um, you know, like, you know, Han, Han's the human one and he, you'd probably say, oh, that's the human one and that's the hairy one. And then there's the golden one, you know, and right. the little beep boop guy. Like, that's kind of where we're at with Saga now. We're reading it well uh, enough, like, uh, but still cannot nail the characters down because they're so individual, especially in their, you know, aesthetic yeah. type of type of creature they are. And you do actually, um, he, you find out that he does actually end up rescuing the kid from the sex planet, but he does it with the help of the, um, God, what the fuck is that dude's name? The horn guy. I don't know. I'll find it. Give me a sec. But anyway, keep going. He, he does it with the help of, of, uh, the horn guy's, uh, fiance, former fiance that he left. Yeah. And, uh, Gwendolyn, is that her name? I don't remember maybe yeah okay i just found the wiki so we can go through character names in just Yay. a second except for yeah okay so we have prince robot 
the fourth, um, obviously. We talked about him last week. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So Alana is the female lead. Um, that's the winged chick. Mm-hmm. Marco is the male Marco, lead. Marco, yeah. Marco is Alana's husband. Um, Hazel is the daughter. Hazel's actually sort of our... Um, She's our, the narrator. Our narrator, too, yeah. which is a lot of fun. Um, Isabel is the ghost of the teenage girl from right. the planet Cleave. That's the um, horn planet, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And then Clara, who's Marco's mother, um, of course, our um, Marco's father has been retired, of course, at this point. So, uh, Prince Robot Fourth, that is, of course, the um, CRT head guy. Uh, the Will is who you know, we we remember the Will. I don't know why he's got a cool and, yeah. name. Lion Cat, of course, is another great character. Lion Cat is one of my favorite characters so far. <laughs> Lion Cat is so well used too. Yeah, um, uh, Sophie is the girl that the will saves. Um, Gwendolyn is who he's talking about. I had that one right. Yeah. Woohoo! Is, is Gwendolyn's the spider chick then now? No. No, that's the other chick. The, the, Gwendolyn uh, is Marco's ex-fiance that he left. The spider chick doesn't even get a mention. Where's the will? <laughs> Come on, Wiki. This is ridiculous. So anyway, regardless of the fact that we can't remember the, the names, stock. the stock, that's what it is. Yeah. So regardless of the fact that we can't remember the names of a lot of the characters, it's mostly because I'm drunk and Eddie's an idiot. So no. true story. <laughs> no. Um, well, we know it's my shtick not to remember names. It's yeah. It's a super, super duper good book. Um, it's, it's very different. Like, um, so a lot of the books we were talking about, you know, like I could see the walking dead fans, like it's got sort of a, um, I don't know, a mainstream-ish kind of story. Pretty easy for your average person to get into. Like, it's one of the books that I'd recommend, even if you're not a quote-unquote comic reader. Dude, it's, then it's, we talk about a lot of superhero It's totally kind of got a Romeo and Juliet feel to it, only, like, instead of them both dying, he knocks her up and they have to run away. Yeah, and uh, they're both, you know, foul-mouthed and everything is sort of yeah. um, really cleverly written, um, you know, really great dialogue in the in the books. But it is a, it is an odd book. You, um, um, you, you get... Um, the in in issues five through ten, I don't remember what what. So we're reading these in kind of blocks, and so I can't tell you exactly what issues certain things take place in. But you do get a good insight into the backstory between Marco and Alana, yeah, in these books, um, as well as and where this one ends. And I just remembered this: where issue ten ends is Sophie. They find out actually can communicate with the pieces of jewelry that Gwendolyn and marco share uh gwendolyn actually had some jewelry that was uh handed down in her family and she gave the rings to marco and she kept a piece of it and i don't remember what it's like it's a pendant or something like that um and she realizes sophie realizes that these pieces of jewelry are separated and they're sad because they're separated and she can she can sense where the other piece is so she basically leads the will and gwendolyn directly to where the tree rocket is in space yeah um so this is weird i was just re- reading over the wiki really fast um and they said the comic was just descri- described in solicitations as star wars meets game of thrones which i will say um oh, people compare everything to game of thrones that's slightly adult in content or nature but i think that's pretty much it like the, the, I can see the Star Wars comparison because there's a lot of weird, unique creatures and shit like that, and there's a lot of imagination in um, the universe and stuff that they're in. But uh, the only thing I think that it has in common with Game of Thrones really is that it's uh, it's adult. 
like it's clearly by adults for adults you know so um there there's some death but not nearly like there is in game of thrones there's some sex but even still used in a different manner like than game of thrones you know yeah yeah it's yeah it's just a well done piece of piece of literature that's i mean it's geared toward adults it's it's not a kid's comic book yeah i have a hard hard time myself like classifying like what is it you really like about saga i don't know there's lots of stuff i mean it's got really good dialogue the art's really cool it's an imaginative story but like it is a it is a very different book for me at least who's not you know like really really deep into comics um you know it's quite a different book from something like the walking dead for obvious reasons and it's quite a different book from a lot of the other superhero type of stuff that i you know read on a on the reg so yeah all right let's finish up with spawn so uh we decided to read spawn a while ago because a it's a cool book and because i've never read it uh even though it's you know not old at this point but it's it's certainly older at 96 i think was spawn 92 92 oh wow gonna need a walker soon um (laughs) so we started reading spawn and this is my first time picking up the book and i read um issues one through ten now and i gotta say i love it it's really wordy in a lot of spots um but i mean that's i say really wordy and i don't really mean that it's just comic books used to be really wordy anyway like especially if you read anything that stanley wrote back in the day yeah super like heavy in dialogue and not even always very good dialogue because comic books were written for a different audience back then of course um todd mcfarlane has kind of brought that back um frank miller style even um i'll, I'll give him that a little bit because he did it that that is I, I did definitely draw some parallels yeah um and but he does it really well and it's not done unnecessarily and so it's not actually like I have a hard time reading a lot of books sometimes if there's a if there's a ton of dialogue in it these days because I think comic books need to be able to capture um, they need to be able to tell a story using both dialogue and and pictures because that's what a comic book is and so if you sacrifice one for the other then it doesn't make for a very good comic book experience um, not the case obviously with Spawn because Spawn has ridiculous good art because Todd McFarlane is stupid good. Oh yeah, that's another thing. Um, I did not know this, but Todd McFarlane basically is Spawn, like stories, pencils, and inks by Todd McFarlane. Th- this will change too as as time goes on, because um, e- eventually Greg Capullo comes on board and starts doing the art. Yeah. Um, but these issues in particular, and I'm, the issues in particular that I'm talking about, not necessarily five and six, but seven, eight, and nine, are really unique, and and especially for comic books because he brought in guest writers for those and i believe issue 11 as well i think you're right and you probably even heard of some of these guest writers even if you're not necessarily <laughs> a comic fan um like for example neil, neil gaiman did one of the issues neil gaiman and in fact if you if you read any of marvel's current books right now you might have seen um a book called angela um it, that book is actually directly about the character that was introduced in spawn number nine yeah um she's now a marvel character and that that was a result of a lawsuit and i don't remember exactly the the circumstances of the lawsuit but marvel has her now that is interesting yeah so um anyway um but neil gaiman he was spawn number nine who wrote spawn number eight that was um i mean i guess i could they're all sitting right in front of me yeah you probably should check that out for me okay so keep talking about i'll go find i'll go find your uh be your errand boy and go find your shit. Yeah, do it. 
and spot number 10 too because i don't i i haven't written or i haven't okay. read anything else that, that so guy did. we have eight little guy uh alan moore alan moore yeah yeah we have number nine that of that's the one that introduces angela and is uh neil, neil gaiman. gaiman we have number where to go 10 10 is this is the weirdest one i don't know who dave sim and i'm sorry but i didn't really like this issue uh dave sim did number 10 yeah um and then, actually this issue was not bad in the sense that uh it's it's kind of a um post death yeah. book but let's let, i guess we should get to that so 11 11 was frank miller 11 will be frank miller yeah and I, that i knew i haven't actually started reading that one yet uh, i just finished that one i'm on Actually, no. Maybe I'm on 13 now. No. I'm on 11. I don't have anything. All right. So, Overt Kill was issues 5 and 6. Yeah. Which, Overt Kill was um, kind of odd. Because uh, I thought, you know, I knew what kind of book we were getting into with the first few. And you got sort of the whole demo- demonic... You good know, versus death, evil. Good versus evil sort of, you know, stuff. Tortured soul tricked into... You know, making a deal with the devil, fights back, whatnot. You don't really get that in issues five and six at all. No, nope. they're just like, here's a giant fucking cyborg from Russia who talks shit and is really way, way too ridiculously overpowered. Until you meet Spawn and yeah. Spawn just blows the shit out of him. But yep, um, no, those were good issues. And, and, and actually, the only the only real purpose for these issues is to kind of set up the relationship between Spawn and the bums in the alley. Yep. Um, which it does masterfully. Yep. Um, it also does kind of give you a little bit of insight into Wanda figuring out that maybe um, Al was killed by his own men. Yeah. So that's that's good. Um, and then and then Wanda's new husband Terry, Al's former best friend, decides he's going to kind of go pull the file on Al and and do a little bit deeper investigation on it, see what's going on. So we kind of have that as a subplot right now. And then. Uh, we move on from Overkill to the Alan Moore issue, which uh, which is pretty good. I mean, it's there's a lot of stuff going on in it. Who was in that one? Who was the... Uh... Which one's the one with Billy Kincaid? That was the Alan Moore one. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, that, yeah, that I think it is. It's a, that, it's a really that, good example of it. And Alan if you've Moore ever read story. any of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing stuff, like, that's that's it. So... Yeah. Um, this was good because it actually showed Billy Kincaid in hell after Al has killed him, obviously, because that happened in issue number five. Yeah. And it's kind of this journey through the different levels of hell. And there's, um, a, it starts out with him and a big group of, of people. They all die individually one by one. And the only one he's left with is the little kid, the little girl. And he's like, well, I'm going to kill her now. Only it's yeah the violator or one of the other, not the violator. It's the violator's brother. Yeah. Um, the vindicator, vindicator. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so th- that was interesting too, because this is another example of like I thought I knew what book I was reading, and uh, nope, not exactly. Like you think, you know, like hell, it's like classic, you know, fire and brimstone hell, but no, it's going much more like the, um, you know, nine le- uh, levels of. Uh, it's more like Dante's Inferno. Yeah, um, feels more alien than it does supernatural almost. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah really really fun book so far really like it yeah uh, um, nine, and i like that i keep being surprised by it so nine is is the introduction of angela um who is an angel and yeah. you find out that basically her role in this whole thing is she hunts hellspawn and in fact the way the book starts out is like the first half of it is basically kind of a an angel's instruction book for hunting hellspawn 
Yeah, which was really cool. And you get to learn that the um, spawn armor is more of like a... Um, what did they call it? Like a carapace or something like that? Like it a is, it's living... A, it's it's a parasite, really. I mean, yeah. but uh, I mean, depending on how well you can master it, I mean, it can be a symbiosis rather than a parasitic relationship. But yeah, yeah. Um, I really like the final scene of this because we also meet another character that I don't think we've learned his name yet, but it's it's uh, Cogliostro, who is a bum. Oh, but yeah, he knows he do. knows exactly who Al is because he's like, here's some tips you need, you dumbass. And, yeah, and then like, wait a second, did you just call me? Al? Yeah, yeah. And then and then Al Simmons does the whole thing where he's like, oh, when I beat Angela, she ran away and left this, and the like the bum's like, no, don't touch that, and then it kills him. Yeah, yeah. The spawn, not not Kagurasho. Yeah, because like Kagurasho's final words is like, man, I really thought that one had promise. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, and if you guys have ever watched the um, HBO Spawn series, you know who Kyle Garrosso is already anyway. But, like, if you don't, if you're not familiar with that and you don't necessarily want to check out the comic books, which I don't recommend that because the comic books are good. But if you want to kind of get a good idea for what Spawn is, don't watch the movie that came out in 97. Go watch the HBO cartoon series because it was really well done, at least for the first two seasons. The third season kind of got a little bit... See, I'm going to have to check that out. And while I agree that the Spawn movie wasn't great, I I was surprised. Like, there was a lot of things that I remembered because I hadn't previously been introduced to Spawn in anything other than the movie. And there was a lot of things that they did not terribly. The Um, Violator Clown by Leguizamo was done, like, to perfection. Oh, yeah, that was spot on. Um, I really like that. Like, there's other aspects of the story I think that they get wrong. Um, but th- there's some of the stuff in there was actually pretty cool, pretty well done. So. I also thought the casting of Michael Jai White as Al Simmons was perfect. Fantastic, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I actually talked with my buddy Wayne about this, whom I hadn't seen in several years the other day, and we were, we were talking a little bit of Spawn. And basically, he boiled it down to this. Like, in 1997, they really didn't have the wherewithal to make decent comic book movies. And that, that's that's not untrue. Yeah, that's kind of what we were talking about before. Like, th- this is a very good example of actually um, just what I was trying to trying to articulate a little bit, which is they took some aspects of the character and, and um, some of it worked really well. But then there were some things that were just like, nah, let's not do that thing that everybody loves and we'll change that and be something completely different. Yeah, I believe that Spawn movie also had Martin Sheen in it as the, the, the big bad. It did. So, which, which I didn't think really worked. That's one of the no. things that I did not like. About I that. love Martin Sheen, but I totally just didn't think that was probably the right, right call on that. Um, so, and then spawn number 10, which is the one that Eddie was saying, didn't really care for that issue nearly as much was kind of a, um, it, it was a really weird, weird book. And I can't remember what else that guy did. No clue. His um, name's Dave Sim, which I'm sure like there's a million nerds listening to this that are like, how the fuck do you not know who that is? But I don't. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's see if I'm right. See, you know, one of the interesting things that I thought about this um, when I was reading it is that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Give me some of the history, because Image Comics is a new thing at this point. Todd McFarlane is super well known. Cerberus. That's. Or Cerberus, that's that's the character that was in that that book. Gotcha. Um, and that's he did that for Image, but um, Image Comics was kind of a conglomerate of a bunch of different artists um, and writers that didn't want to do things the Marvel or DC way anymore, and so right. it, it became a co-op. Todd McFarlane obviously is probably the the preeminent member of it, and now he's the CEO of it. I don't know if he originally started out as as CEO, um, but I mean back then you had. 
McFarlane as part of it. Rob Liefeld was a big deal um, for Image. Jim Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, all these guys now are huge. Of um, course. McFarlane has stayed with Image the entire time. Jim Lee actually is doing work for DC now. Yeah, Jim Lee. Um, didn't he do the work on the Batman book? As I want to say, I really liked that. But I Justice League. Justice League. He and Jeff yeah. Johns did Justice League together. Um, so... It was basically kind of the um, Marvel and DC both followed what was called the com- uh, the comic book code at that point, yeah. um, which had really strict rules on language and um, simulated drug use and whatever. You, you just definitely cannot do the types of things that they're doing in Spawn in the comic book code. No, and this was just a bunch of guys that were like, look, we're tired of jumping through hoops for publishers. Like, there's stories we want to tell. We have a great medium to tell it, but nobody will publish it. Let's yeah. do it ourselves. So, so anyway, the reason I said that is I thought it was kind of interesting because at this point, image is certainly untested ground. Todd McFarlane, um, you know, I, again, I'm I'm the uh, comic book person in the show that doesn't really know much about comic books, but I didn't think that Todd, Todd McFarlane was necessarily a name enough to pull. But I mean, he got some of the biggest guys in the industry at the time uh, um, writing these books. Yeah. Um, it, it, only seven or eight issues in. So yeah, I, 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 I thought that was pretty impressive. And I thought that was a, you know, kind of indicative of what kind of a book you're getting. I with think Spawn. you're forgetting though, that McFarlane had one of the most impressive runs on Spider-Man. Uh, I, like I said, I, at that I, point, I, you know I, what I mean? I defer to you on here because I, I'm not really sure, but, uh, um, I just thought that was, you know, kind of interesting that we're in fairly new ground, untested water, so to speak. Um, cause there, I don't think before image, there was a lot of really alternative, books you know right that's one of the reasons image is image because just like you were saying they, they wanted to tell different kinds of stories and you couldn't do that in in the big you know marvel and, and dc they still do stories that other publishers wouldn't touch saga exam for example is an image book and and it's yeah it's, i mean we're talking modern time now and this was 92 and it's 2016 now so i mean you do the math and mm-hmm. it's 24 years yeah so uh Image is still doing what it is, and honestly, like in Spawn, Spawn was I think Malibu Comics was a big, big deal in that. Malibu was I don't remember where Malibu came from, no but it's definitely mentioned in the in like if, when you open the first pages of Spawn and whatnot, it's it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an interesting and and really fun read for me because, um, as a teenager collecting comic books, I couldn't get my hands on every issue of Spawn. It wasn't they they weren't available digitally or anything like that. Um, when I was when I was a teenager, so this is yeah. this is the first time I've actually been able to kind of sit down and read through issue for yeah, issue. I, that doesn't surprise. Actually, that makes sense. It was probably a fairly small run book, you know, originally. Probably yeah. not, you know, like filling the shelves the way that they would, you know, with the the, the Spider Man titles or the Batman titles or whatever. Well, and it's not just that. I mean, nineteen ninety two, I was fourteen. Yeah, so um, you don't exactly get to go, you know. And the only comic book shop was, you know, a 15 minute drive away, which I didn't drive. Yeah. And couldn't always find somebody to take me to the comic book shop or whatnot. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't get to read all of these um, issue by issue. And and I kind of read them sporadically over the over the course of a few years. So this is this is I'm actually looking forward to doing this weekly and and talking about it, especially with somebody who who hasn't touched Spawn before. Um. And I wouldn't say that I actually was deep enough into it to, to really get it at the time. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, like we were talking about before, it is kind of an, a, a more mature or a book meant for a more mature audience. Like, I, I don't know, like 
14 so it's not like exactly like you're a tiny little kid or anything like that but it's also you know there's probably some stuff that went over your head a little bit um there certainly was when i was 14 because i think i did have a little maybe tiny tiny little handful of an exposure to the book at that time so (laughs) um all right so we're gonna wrap up we've got one tiny little bit of news and i don't know if we're gonna talk about this much sorry we got two things actually before we jump into this this final thing one thing that we didn't get to last week is i i was uh i i had something to show us about my playstation oh which we totally missed yep just completely forgot um so as we've talked about on the show before, I have a PlayStation 4, and I don't just have any PlayStation 4. I have the limited edition Darth Vader PlayStation 4. Um, Which he doesn't mind bringing up. I don't time. at all. No. no, I was super pissed off, though, because all of a sudden it stopped reading discs. Ooh. Like any disc. Oh, uh, that's bad. Um, So I, I did some research online, and it turns out there's a roller like the roller that takes the disc in it's actually two pieces connected by a middle piece and a lot of the times what happens is that middle piece gets disconnected and i'm like well it's under warranty problem is is with sony's policy is i could send it in under warranty but i may not get the same special edition back that's a positively shit aspect of the warranty yeah so i especially I, because most of the special edition is the case. Just put the case it, on the that, right. Yeah, fucking, that's that's yeah. what it is. Although this is a newer model and it uh, disassembles differently. And here's why. Here's how I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Which we we say merely as an art piece in case Matt does want to make adva- take advantage of his warranty later. Um, yeah, no, um, it's done. My warranty's yeah. void because the stickers they have to pull off. Uh, definitely just void the void. warranty. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I was left with a with a decision is whether or not I wanted to do it myself or send it in and maybe not get the special edition that I bought. See, back. I, I probably would have gone your route too then because uh, I mean that that's that's the thing. I mean, either way, you're going to be out. It, like it, the worst the worst you can do is break it more and have to pay for a new console. But yeah, yeah. But so then, then I would have probably gotten ballsy and swapped the case on it myself. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It turns out that it actually wasn't. Um, that roller issue my lens was out of alignment which either way i had to take it apart but um everything works fine now cool (laughs) it was it was just manhandle it back into place the lens yeah um actually it just didn't need it didn't need a lot of manhandling like it wasn't out of place by by a a ton yeah i mean the mere act of me disassembling the blu-ray drive which is actually in several pieces (laughs) um and then putting it back together it, it ended up being fine cool um, but just, just a word of warning folks, if you don't have a background and taking apart small machinery, send it in. Yeah. I'm an IT guy. So for me, it was just one of those things where I'm like, well, I built PCs. How hard can this be? It's hard. Yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> um, see, you know, you build PCs and when it comes down to it, PCs are really just sort of like, uh, um, giant Lincoln logs these days. Like it's kind of almost hard to fuck it up. Don't get me wrong. Lots of people fuck it up all yeah, the time. You can do it, but it's not hard. Like I, I would, this is one of those I would rec- recommend. Like as long as somebody helps you spec out the build, y- you, you know, your non-technical friends can probably accomplish it. But uh, when you get into consumer electronics and laptops, especially stuff that the manufacturers don't want you to take apart. Like, I'm not going to lie. I put together a couple uh PC builds, you know, with a few beers in me, but, uh, the the laptop shit like that's something i do with a cup of coffee and you know like steady hands as possible because everything is fucking tiny and um it's all you, there there's whatever you want to do on the laptop it doesn't matter where you're going what part you have to replace 27 screws 
Like you're oh, going to take out God, 27 yeah. screws. Yeah. This, this was fun because when I was actually putting it back together, I was like, well, I have two screws left. Fuck. Where do they go? <laughs> yeah. I found it. I mean, I found where they went and everything like that, but it was just like, I don't have an eidetic memory. You know what I mean? So taking them apart doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to remember where to put them back. See, one of the things that's helped out quite a bit when I'm doing this kind of work now is I take my iPad and I, I, I pit, take pictures of it, you know, whatever you know large size screen or even a phone would work but i i take pictures of all the things where the screws come out of so i know to put them back in then i just basically flip back through the page as i go through yeah lots of trial and error taught me that this one. this was a fun thing to do um for me because i'm an idiot and yeah. i like to do things like this but it was also one of those things like where eddie said i didn't have a couple beers um in fact i didn't even do it on a day that i worked i knew about this several days ahead of time and i'm like you know what okay so sunday I'm going to get yeah, up that's the and project. this is what I'm going to do. And um, I did find out, though, that the um, hard drive is completely user replaceable without voiding your warranty. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Um, the little top piece. So, you know, if it's sitting sideways, you got your power button and your eject button and whatnot. Mm -hmm. The little top piece that's kind of separated by the light, it actually just snaps forward. Oh. And then the hard drive is you just unscrew the thing and pull it out. That's really rad. Um, especially because I come from the 360, like the last console I owned before this was the 360. And the 360 did not have a user replaceable hard drive. You had to buy Microsoft's stupid little hard drive package, which was egregiously priced. Like you'd pay a hundred bucks for uh, 10 ter or t 10, uh, 10 gigs or something. I don't remember what it even was. It was probably like 50 gigs or something. Yeah. It was, it was at a time where th that was a laugh. Absolutely. Like you could go out and buy a consumer drive for, you know, three times the space for the same price or. It, it's funny. Cause the wife and I were actually looking at, at PS threes a little while back because I mean, we already had one, but the PS fours, we yeah. weren't really sure if we wanted to drop the money on a PS four because we didn't have it. We already had relatively current software for PS three and all that kind of stuff. Mm hmm. So we weren't certain if we wanted to get the PS4 for something upstairs yeah, or not. Um, and so we were kind of looking at that. And they, they came out with like a 12 gig edition of the PS3. And I was like, well, we could buy that and I could just swap out the hard drive, you know, because yeah. the PS3 is completely user replaceable as well. Yeah. Um, in fact, adding to Microsoft's dicketry. Yeah. Um, but it ended up like she decided to get me this one for Christmas. So I didn't need to yeah, worry about solved it. the problem. But I, I may drop a terabyte hard drive into it. Because yeah. I got one of those. You know, that's almost, um, it's surprising. Like, I saw some kid the other day. I don't remember where I was. Like, um, Freddy's or something like that. You know, like, not a computer electronics store. But I saw some kid buying a hard drive for his PlayStation. I thought, well, that's weird. You know, like, that didn't used to be a thing. Like, he like he was specifically asking, you know, is this, is this drive going to work in a PlayStation? Because that's what I'm wanting you to use it for. You know, so. Well, it, it goes kind of to your way of thinking, um, which... To those of you who may not know this, um, I still have a lot of physical media around the house. Eddie, completely digital on almost everything. No, we actually have stacks and stacks of DVDs that someday I'll get around to digitizing. But outside of that, like I've sort of like I'm done. Like no more Blu-rays. I'm not buying any more DVDs. Like they um, yeah. The I, I, the only thing I'll do is rip them. I get. I guess. I, I'm I'm buying Blu-rays. Yeah. You know why? Star Wars. Because I pre-ordered it. It'll be here on April fifth that see that one i might make an exception <laughs> for but you know what's funny is like i bought i bought the lord of the rings uh i have the special editions watch it on my computer every single time discs never come out of the thing yeah yeah, yeah i'm the same see I'm, I'm also one of those people that like i care about fidelity up to a certain point like um how the movie actually looks and what i found is that like, you can rip that shit like dude the 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 
software that we have at our fingertips as consumers for encoding your own movies off of your own Blu-rays or DVDs yeah. or whatever is fucking ridiculous. If you have Make MKV, <clears throat> MKV, which is free, and you also have Handbrake, also free, yep. you can make the most beautiful digital copies of anything that you want. Not that we condone this here at the Whatever Show, but it's possible. Yeah, you wouldn't uh, possibly be breaking any sort of you know laws allowing you to make backups of your own discs um, because the United States government is a totally head up their ass on this particular case. Um, anyway, yeah, that that's the route I'd, I'd go. I don't I don't like dealing with discs at all anymore, especially when you have kids. Like that's the hardest part. Like we we were buying the kids DVDs a lot of times, but those DVDs got so fucking wrecked. Like, kids are so hard on physical media anyway. Yeah, it then became like just standard. Like okay, we buy the disc, put the disc in the computer, rip it, and then that's the last time the disc comes out of the case ever again. Yeah, yeah. So um, last, oh, last me, bit, last bit of news. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you've ever read this, and I'm not actually done with it. I've only read probably two or three books. I've only read the first one. Stephen King's The Dark Tower is being adapted into a film, and they've just announced Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey will be playing uh, um, two roles in there, Pre- presumably starring roles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm hoping McConaughey for the Gunslinger. Yeah. I mean, and that's the only book I've read. Just, it fits but, too well to not be that. Yeah. Um, what I'm curious, um, if there, there's only, there's a couple of others. If um, uh, Idris is going to be playing um, the man in black or um, what's, what are their names? I want to say it's Eddie. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, this is interesting because I also read recently where Stephen King talked about how the Dark Tower series and The Stand actually tie together really yeah there's there's common characters between the two and they may not share the same name necessarily depending on which book you're reading mm-hmm. but he said no they 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 are very much the same character so interesting it, it it'll be interesting to me to, to see this on film as well plus they're they are redoing the stand also oh they're they're making another movie they are and i actually heard that mcconaughey was tagged as as randall flag oh that'd be interesting in, too in that movie so Obviously, Randall Flagg isn't the gunslinger, so if that's the case, they would be treated as separate entities and whatnot, but yeah. Yeah. Um, man, he should have a busy schedule, too. Yeah. Um, you know, I still like that miniseries, The Stand. I do. I thought it was it was one of the series that actually brought attention to me, at least, to Gary Sinise. I thought mm-hmm. Gary Sinise was really, really good in that. Um, it's a little cheesy on rewatch these days. It is, um, but I I don't know. Maybe it's it doesn't, nostalgia. doesn't quite hold out hold up as well. But it's probably nostalgia because one of the things that I sort of miss is that we used to have in the '90s. We used to have these big miniseries. Yeah, that's um, kind of gone by the wayside now. Yeah, uh, the other one that I that I always think of fondly, even though it's cheesy as hell too, is the one that uh, I was going to say Sam Elliott, but that's not right. Um, the, the guy from fucking Jurassic Park did when he was Merlin. Sam Neill. Yeah, Sam Neill. There you go. Um, but yeah, I still have a, a kind of a fun spot in my heart for that, even though it's cheesy as hell too these days. You know, it's interesting. I like I like the idea of the miniseries. I like the idea of telling a big story over several nights. Yeah. And you know, they can be two hour episodes or one hour episodes or whatever and stuff like that. But um, I watched. My mom used to watch some of them. Um, she watched um, Lonesome Dove. That was a miniseries, and then mm-hmm. honestly. I never was a fan of westerns growing up, but like as an adult, Lonesome Dove is a really, really good. 
series. never really cared for westerns either, but um, I do like modern westerns, which is almost not fair because when I say westerns, the ones that I'm thinking of right now are Django. Uh, I really want to see The Hateful Eight, of course, which is more to say that I guess I'm a fan of Tarantino. But I really also liked the uh, the other one with that fucking guy whose name I can't remember either. The dude, Big Lebowski, um, played oh. cowboy. Uh, that was a remake because yeah, John Wayne did the original. Too, yeah. uh, uh, um, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, but that's, I can't. But I can't remember the name of it either. But anyway, I really like that movie too. Rooster Cogburn is who we played, right? But it wasn't Rooster Cogburn. It was fuck. Yeah, I can't remember it either. Yeah. But it was him and a little kid. Yeah. So that was a fun movie too. Um, but anyway, the the uh, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, to tell a good modern western. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and just, I mean, filmmaking in general is better. Like, I'm sure you've seen Tombstone. Yeah, I like Tombstone. Right? That's a, that, I mean, I pure, liked, I like Wyatt Earp too. Like, through and through, that, that both Westerns, although Wyatt Earp was a little bit drier, but I mean, it was no less of a good story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, we're just not in an era where you can do a Roy Rogers Western anymore. No. Or even a John Wayne Western. I mean, John Wayne Westerns were good for back in the day, but, the only westerns that I watched, um, that I've watched as an adult, that I've actually appreciated, that were older westerns, is um, like the the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Like I was just going to say, stuff. you know, the Clint Eastwood movies because it wasn't totally treated like it was camp. It was done in a in a with a, with a serious tone to it. Yep. So I was just going to say, like the, the that totally holds up still. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like those movies. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the show for this week. You can always um, like us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash whatever show. You can go hit us up on Twitter, twitter.com, uh, or sorry, at, at whatever show, show on Twitter. Um, you can send us your emails and questions and all that stuff to questions at whatever.co. And all, as always, we would greatly appreciate if you'd go on iTunes and leave us a rating, share us with your friends, or any other way, spread the whatever virus, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I want to thank everybody on facebook the last week when we posted our last episode mm-hmm. um because that actually saw more action on facebook than any previous episode that we've posted so yeah. um just actually let us know by emailing us tweeting us anything or sure. facebooking us whatever yeah we're gonna have another episode out um you know i think actually given the time probably this evening pretty likely um so yeah go hit that one up and then you'll probably see this episode in a few days so yeah um, also, uh, not to not to spend too much time plugging our own shit, but this is going to be a busy weekend for us. Um, this this weekend, um, and actually, just just in a few days, we're going to sit down and we're going to do a Man of Steel review. We're going to yeah. do a roundtable. Um, Bryce and Sam will be joining us for the the roundtable in in roundtable fashion. Yep, which um, is to say, loud, obnoxious, and completely off the walls. Yeah. Um, in the best ways. And we're going to, we're going to have fun with it. We're going to actually watch the movie as we podcast. Um, you guys won't hear the audio because well, copyright and shit, but, uh-huh. uh, we're going to talk about the movie as we watch it. Um, and then I'm not sure if Sam's sticking around, but I think you and I are going to sit down at least and probably do another show, do another show. Cause, yeah. uh, we're, we're off schedule if we don't. Um, yeah. so expect reviews of, um, saga 11 through 15 spawn 11 through 15, uh, and whatever else comes out um, on Wednesday that we decide we're going to read between Wednesday and Saturday. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. See you soon. Good night.